Welcome to the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast Extravaganza. Barley Snyder is a full-service business law firm with over 100 attorneys practicing out of offices located in central Pennsylvania and Maryland. My name is David Friedman, and I am the host of the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast. I am a partner with Barley Snyder's Employment Law Group, focusing my practice on labor and employment litigation, higher education law, and business immigration. Before we get started, please, listeners, understand that the information provided during episodes of Barley Snyder's COVID-19 show is for general informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or as a substitute for legal counsel. If you have questions about your legal situation or about how to apply information discussed in this episode to your situation, you should consult an attorney for assistance. Joining us for our episode today is none other than Donald Geiter. Don is a Barley Snyder partner working out of our firm's Lancaster office. Don is the chair of Barley Snyder's Finance and Creditors Rights Group. He is also a member of our firm's management and technology committees. He is highly regarded for his work on behalf of financial institutions in connection with multi-party loan restructures and workouts. He also has a busy securities practice assisting existing companies and startups with private debt and equity offerings. Don, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Dave. It is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and listeners at home, you can't see, but it appears to us here recording this podcast that Don is actually coming to us live from a bomb shelter. Okay, well, Don, unfortunately, my bragging about you is not yet over because I want to mention that in addition to all of your other academic and professional credentials, you recently obtained a master's degree in cybersecurity from the University of Maryland School of Law. And over the past few years, you've done a significant amount of work assisting both our clients and our firm in dealing with cybersecurity threats. Obviously, with so many of us now working virtually from our homes or bomb shelters in the midst of the COVID-19 related shutdown, cybersecurity concerns are significant for many American and international businesses. So I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be eager to pick up some little nuggets of knowledge from you, Don. So let's get started with the basics. I mean, what exactly is cybersecurity? And relatedly, do I need a 28-sided die and a tinfoil hat in order to understand the concept of cybersecurity? Well, since we have about, what, three hours to do this podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll take the long take. version. Okay. All right. Now, uh, the quick overview here, and, and for folks listening that are not tech folks, um, you know, understand that cybersecurity is well beyond the uh, technical aspects of uh, your IT systems. Um, in fact, it's less and less of a tech issue, and I'll explain it a bit here um, by sort of giving the general understanding that you know, most of our 
threats in the cyberspace these days are not coming from uh, the fraudsters. And that's what I'll call them generally in this discussion, those guys that want to hack in and obtain uh, our very sensitive information. Those threats are coming not necessarily at our technical capabilities of our businesses, but more so uh, along the lines of the personal and individual, um, what word? Let's, let's pause that for a moment. Um, I guess the word I'm looking for is vulnerability. Um, there's many vulnerabilities that folks have personally that can be exploited by these fraudsters. So a real definition of cybersecurity is that holistic approach to protecting our systems and processes that include both the technical side, but also the human element. And many in the industry will call that the human firewall, um, the ability of our individual employees and those that are associated with our organizations to identify and spot those threats and take action uh, to prevent them. All right, Don. So, you know, I guess this is sort of a silly question, but it does get the conversation started. Well, why should we care about these cybersecurity threats that are out there, these vulnerabilities that you've spoken of? They should care in part because of general productivity. So a lot of these cyber threats, one of the ramifications, you would have heard of the term ransomware in the past. Uh, ransomware is one of those types of threats that can affect our systems. And what it does is it, it, it actually... Uh, takes away our ability to access our files, locks down our systems. So on the forefront of our concerns is productivity. If we can't access our information that we need in order to assist our clients, our customers, uh, we become much less productive. The other issue, and the one that lawyers are always sort of mostly concerned with, is the liability type of issues, issues that come from uh, violations of laws and regulations or violations or breaches of contracts that we sign up for when we engage with our customers and vendors and so forth. Um, I won't use this uh, as an opportunity to discuss it in depth, but we understand that there is a myriad of laws out there on the topic of cybersecurity. Those include state laws and federal laws, international laws, and there are also industry standards and regulations that many businesses have to abide by. Some directly, uh, we know banks and healthcare systems, educational institutions all have very specific regulations. We also know that uh, businesses like ours as a law firm or accountants and others that provide services to these regulated entities also need to abide by these laws, either directly or indirectly because of the contracts. When our businesses fall victim to these cyber threats and become susceptible to breaches and so forth, we can find ourselves in violation of these laws and these expectations that are in the contracts. So in a nutshell, it's that combination of productivity and that liability that we always have to consider when we're putting together policies and procedures and protocols for our businesses to follow and for our employees to demonstrate. And I'm sure that with folks, you know, so many of us now for the first time working from home that these sorts of uh, issues have been sort of brought to the forefront. Is that right? I mean, has the COVID-19 crisis put a spotlight on the vulnerabilities that you were referring to before? Absolutely. You know, many, many businesses have been contemplating this remote work 
uh, this work from home environment. And some have accelerated those processes prior to COVID-19. However, many uh, were faced with this as a reality uh, very quickly uh, and expeditiously through this, uh, through this pandemic. And many businesses found themselves working in this environment that they perhaps didn't envision themselves working in for maybe another three to five years. So this definitely has brought it to the forefront. I see businesses digging out their policies now on uh, work from home and, and maybe not having them at all and using this as an opportunity to envision what this may look like again in the future as far as uh, how it could have and how this could have perhaps accelerated the work from home environment. Yeah, and you know who else is uh, working from home in addition to all of these businesses out there we're talking about is uh, the fraudsters you were referring to before. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're taking the COVID-19 crisis as an opportunity to go on vacation. So uh, this is really the part of this episode that I was most looking forward to. Can, can you sort of uh, tell our listeners about some of the typical scams that you're seeing that are on the rise right now? Um, maybe not necessarily directly related to the COVID-19 crisis, but those that have become more frequent as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. You're, and you're right. The fraudsters are very opportunistic. They, they do not allow any sort of crisis uh, to go untapped. Um, we saw that during the recession, and we're continuing to see that now. And for folks that really don't understand sort of the underpinnings of, uh, of, of the fraudster environment, uh, suffice it to say that it is its own economy. It's its own um, sort of international workforce uh, out there utilizing the dark web as a way to buy and sell the information that they obtain from us and exploit those uh, for, for money and for other things. And like you mentioned, they are uh, quickly at work trying to find our vulnerabilities and exploit them. And they're very opportunistic. And as a result, we're seeing, I wouldn't say a lot of new or different types of platforms that they're using to exploit those vulnerabilities during these times. Um, but instead, we're seeing an uptick. All sorts of statistics are out there. I saw one yesterday that said that the number of phishing scams, and I'll explain that in a moment, have, has risen 3,000% over the last month and, and mostly attributable to uh, and using subject matters uh, related to COVID-19. So the typical vectors, as it's known in, in the industry of, of, of vulnerabilities, is the business email compromise. Those are the emails you're getting or that appear to come from people you know and trust, uh, but perhaps are either spoofed or, or relate to email accounts that have been hacked or compromised. Um, and then related to that are these phishing emails, these scams. And, and in the area of COVID-19, we're seeing all sorts of COVID-related subjects that are being used. And those include online offers for vaccination. We'll see ads for test kits. You'll see some emails that are purporting to come from the CDC and the World Health Organization itself. And we're also seeing emails that appear to come from sort of known or credentialed nonprofits. In the past few weeks, we've seen some emails that appear to look or uh, provide information about when you're going to re receive your uh, your relief check 
and also relating to the CARES Act, uh, the PPP loans that were um, provided to businesses uh, over the last month. So again, you're, you're seeing a lot of the same sorts of platforms being used, but obviously uh, playing into the vulnerabilities and the emotional aspects of what this pandemic has brought about. Very interesting. Um, just as an aside, uh, do, do, do you have a, uh, a favorite fraudster emoji? Like I'm, I'm thinking of something like a little bit like the Hamburglar from the McDonald's commercials. You, you, you have anything that you use to communicate in that way with clients? No, unfortunately I do not. Although I, I love, I think the costume of the year should be that fraudster look with the hood over your head. In fact, I was going to appear today in that, but understanding that it, it's a, it's an audio only podcast that it really wouldn't give the effect, but uh, of, of the hooded fraudster behind the duct behind a computer in the basement of, or in their bunker somewhere <laughs> deep in well, the bowels. <laughs> You know, we're working on, uh, on getting me a, a, a television network. So once we do that and I have my own talk show, uh, you can come back on and, and, and dress up as the uh, fraudster. But so, you know, one of the things I was hoping you might do uh, it's just in a few minutes is give some basic tips to folks about how to avoid those phishing emails that are out there and phishing being P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. I mean, I'm very offended by that term because I'm a long-term fan of the great Vermont uh, jazz, uh, jam band fish. Uh, but, you know, you know, I understand that that's the term that has been used for these scams. So tell our listeners uh, some things that they can do to avoid those that are really becoming quite prevalent in this uh, COVID-19 environment. Yeah, actually, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security put out a really good summary, just a a couple weeks ago on this topic, because there has always been a lot of good resources on this. But I thought that the Department of Homeland Security really summed it up well. You're really using four points relative to authority, urgency, emotion, and scarcity. The issue relative to authority is when you're looking at one of these emails, who is writing this to you? What sort of authority do they have? Um, they may purport to come from someone with authority, but we recommend that when you're receiving something from someone that you may not have expected to receive, you may have heard of the term uh, multi-factor authentication, and that has its own definition in the context of login accounts and things like that. But it also is used more practically to explain other areas of cybersecurity. So when you receive an email from somebody that looks like they have authority to provide you the information, you can authenticate that by separately checking it in on yourself. An example of that is you get an email that looks like it's coming from perhaps your bank and there may be a link, but you're like, why am I getting this email? Well, a best practice would be to click out of everything on your desktop, open up a new browser, navigate or go to the domain name that you know your bank is at and find a way to get yourself to that information on their website or a phone number or someone else. Don't rely on the information in that email. So you're authenticating it in another way. Again, it's a very practical way of multi-factor authentication. Pretty low some tech of, for, for some of us yeah. who are, like, don't consider ourselves tech experts too. Exactly. And, you know, many of these emails will have a real sense of urgency, a call to action. You're going to miss out. 
You know, it may be a test kit for COVID. It may be you know, some sort of vaccination opportunity or some sort of opportunity to get some relief funds. Um, so you have to really keep your emotions in check. And that is the other factor of making sure when you're analyzing these emails, you're doing so in a, in a heightened state of awareness. During this environment, we're all tired. We're tired of looking at screens and, you know, we may just find ourselves clicking sort of mindlessly. We really have to avoid that, particularly in this environment. You know, criminals will also um, exploit the scarcity of resources that are out there. So, like I mentioned earlier, some of these emails will target that, knowing that perhaps there's only so many more funds available under the PPP loans. So click here, don't miss out, that sort of thing. We always have to be careful of that, but know that fraudsters are really exploiting that now. There's a whole other list of of resources out there. I, the best one that I recommend, and it's one that we use as a firm, and, and I know a lot of our clients do as well, it's an organization known as Know Before, K-N-O-W-B-E, the number four. And they have great resources, including sheets you can print out, put near your computer, that also provides some more practical ways to avoiding phishing emails. And they really focus on you know, looking at the content, of the email itself, who sent it to you, who was it sent to? You know, you sometimes you get these emails um, that are noted to a bunch of people and you're like, what are all these people have to do with each other? So that's one of the things you, one of the, the red flags. And then of course the embedded links, um, ways to try to discover if those embedded links are legitimate. And then when were these emails sent and what do they say in the subject matter? You know, an important takeaway from all this is think before you click. Know before is coined that. I've seen it used by, by many organizations out there as a, as a takeaway for all email users is to just really think before you click. Because um, at the end of the day, there's the way that the fraudsters are using these vary. You know, you're clicking on a link. It's opening up malicious code on your, on your desktop, uh, which could then plant ransomware or sometimes it's taking you to a link that looks legit where you put in your login credentials and it's mining your login credentials to be used in some other nefarious way. Well, thanks, Don, for that explanation. It was very, very helpful. I think our listeners will really appreciate it. And thank you so much for joining us today, Don. If there are any attorneys out there in listening land, I'd like to add that Don will be presenting a one-hour ethics credit continuing legal education program on attorneys' duties to protect their clients' data. That will be part of the Lancaster Bar Association's Technology Summit that will be taking place virtually from June 1st to June 4th. Don's presentation will take place on Wednesday, June 3rd. For more information on that, go to the Lancaster Bar Association's website, www.lancasterbar.org. Before we go, listeners, I want to give you all a quick update from the world of landlord-tenant relationships. Barley Snyder attorney Joe Schalk is reporting that Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf and Attorney General Joshua Shapiro have issued a statewide executive order barring all residential evictions and foreclosures in Pennsylvania until July 10th. The order has been issued at the urging of some state officials who hope to both stop the spread of the COVID-19 virus and help keep those 
who may have lost their jobs in their homes. The order effectively ensures that no foreclosure or eviction actions will hit the courts until sometime in late July or early August. At the press conference announcing this order, both Wolf and Shapiro clarified that this would be the only such order, so no extensions are expected. The two officials also made it clear that rent must be paid and that the order does not operate as a relief from the obligation imposed by any lease. Well, that's all the time we have for now. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into this episode. Please tune in again next time when we'll be speaking with Tim Dietrich and Emma Rose Boyle from Barley Snyder's Food and Agribusiness Industry Group. The two will be giving us an update on how the COVID-19 crisis is posing significant challenges to businesses in that industry. You may have heard some news reports about that. In the meantime, if you have any questions about this or any other episode or would like to hear about a particular topic in a future episode, please email us at covid19podcast at barley.com. That's C-O-V-I-D-1-9 P-O-D-C-A-S-T at B-A-R-L-E-Y dot C-O-M. Until next time, listeners. Take heart in the words of Albus Dumbledore, the great headmaster at Hogwarts, who once said, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times, if only one remembers to turn on the light. So keep shining, listeners. We'll talk soon. Barley Snyder's COVID-19 show.